All right, I want to welcome everybody to this week's episode of uh, Les Explosion. This is uh, your host, Les Nichols, uh, coming to you from Les Explosion headquarters here in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, I am excited about my guest today. I have Mitch, Miss uh, Mitch Subway Hill, who is uh, a, a, a TEDx speaker, a, a life coach, personal coach, a savant of everything. Is that, does that sound good? Well, it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I had the pleasure of, of meeting Mitch. Um, I guess it was two years ago, wasn't it? I guess you, you came into Castle's World and you did a, a spill with us and, uh, and all of our property managers. And, uh, I, and, and, and that topic on that time was uh, time management. And still, nobody learned nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. It had nothing to do with you. They just goes in one year out the other. You know how these things work. <laughs> Repetition is key. Repetition is key. <laughs> um, so Mitch, um, you've been in the hospitality industry for well over 25 years. Um, to me, and that, that's like 75 years in dog years or property manager years. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time to, to be in that industry. And, and trust me, I've been doing it almost as long, 20 years. And uh, I used to have beautiful, beautiful hair and you know, long and luscious. And <laughs> so did, tell me a little bit <laughs> tell me a little bit about yourself and then kind of uh, let's just kind of uh let our listeners know who uh, Miss uh, Mitch Subway is. Wow, that's a that's a big question which can fill a couple of books and and will <laughs> but i'm actually an executive coach so i deal with uh, professionals management level and higher which is really fun because basically what you're teaching them or coaching them to do is manage people and manage personalities and as you know less that's that's what we do in hospitality and community association management what you're managing is efforts and personalities. So I think after so many years working in industries like the restaurant industry, the hotel industry, community association, and working in areas like New York, LA, Miami, you get a little bit of a diverse uh, education in people handling. <laughs> so I think that that's really at the bottom of it all. What I teach people or coach people to do is not just manage their time, manage their efforts, but manage people and to do it in a way that actually inspires cooperation rather than shutting people down. I think my favorite, my favorite question I ask my clients is, do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? And the smart leaders always answer effective. Right. <laughs> So you got started at 18 as a singing waitress in New York. That's right. Now, was that your choice or were you hired to do that? Or just like one day you got bored, it was quiet in the restaurant, you decided to liven everybody up? No, actually I was at New York University and uh, after my first year in the drama, as a drama major, I ran out of financial aid. And uh, it always was my vision to go to New York. And so I wasn't leaving New York, but I had to make a little bit more money than my little clothing store gigs. So <laughs> a, friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine who wanted me to move in with him 
uh, share an apartment said, well, here's the village voice. And he had an ad circle that said, wanted singing waitress <laughs> must audition to apply. And I thought, you're crazy. I've never worked in the restaurant before. And he said, hey, but you can sing. Just go in there and blow their heads off with your singing and, you know, BS the rest. And so uh, I did. I, I went in there, I auditioned, and the manager, I think he realized that my resume was all bogus, but he really needed a good show. <laughs> it was like a dinner theater type restaurant. And so uh, I, I jumped in. I always tell my clients, you know, as far as imposter syndrome, like fake it to make it. Sometimes you just have to jump in and then learn as quickly as you can. And that's what I did. And it worked. It doesn't work for everybody, but it worked for me. <laughs> that is impressive. And, you know, I, I'm sure you, uh, all the other waiters and waitresses were upset. Like, who is this chick? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I got yelled at a lot by the uh, Staten Island chef. He was only, what are you, some kind of fucking moron? <laughs> I heard that a lot until I heard it less and less. So then I knew that I was, I was catching on. <laughs> You know, I grew up in North Georgia and we didn't have singing waitresses, okay? We didn't, we had, but, you know, a few years ago, I'm gonna say maybe 10 years ago, so ago, we went to New Orleans. When I say we, I mean me and my wife, we went to New Orleans and uh, there's this little small Italian restaurant and we were sitting there eating our, eating our meal, minding our own business and this guy comes out with a straight Pavarotti voice just like started booming and blowing the doors off this place. And I was like blown away, but he did it for like 10 minutes. And we're like, okay, now you're, it's a little too loud. <laughs> you know, we're trying to eat, <laughs> but you know, but that that's amazing that even at a young age, you know, you're putting yourself out there in front of everybody like that on, on a nightly basis. And, and I'm sure the, uh, the GM or the restaurant owner was, uh, pretty pleased to have you there because I'm sure a lot of people came back to visit the restaurant just because of yourself. Well, it was, it was a whole team. I mean, there were some really amazing singers. As a matter of fact, there were some singers. No, Mitch, you, you, you're the best. <laughs> Mitch, you guys say you're the best. You're the reason why. That's where I was going with this. We don't care about all the others. <laughs> You know, I, I wish I could say I, I was the best, but I, 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 I was good enough to get in. Let's say that. But I mean, there were some people, there was one guy who was on, uh, I think he was on a stint from between uh, Jersey Boys or Rent or something. Oh, wow. Off season, he'd come and wait tables because that's really, people don't realize Broadway actors and, and um, performers don't really make that much money unless you really, mm. really get big. Um, so we had we had some servers that were on off-Broadway season. It was really, I mean, it was such a great learning experience at such a young age. But hey, it enabled me to stay in New York City. It enabled me to afford an apartment, which I probably could not afford today. Mm -hmm. But I was in the village. I was living in the village at 18, surviving. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's cool. You know, I've never personally been in New York City. <laughs> oh, you have to get out there. Well, not right now. <laughs> Well, yeah, we're going to wait. <laughs> um, so, so we're going to kind of go through your timeline here. So you're, you're a singing waitress, you're, you're in school, and then you get out of school, and then you get into the hospitality industry. Where you, did you get into the, uh, the hotel game, or did you get into property management? Where did you go after that? So, uh, again, 
many, many books later, and we'll, we'll jump way ahead. Uh, but I moved to uh, Los Angeles okay. in uh, 2009. So now we're, we're jumping ahead. We're skipping a couple of stories here. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I got a little song. I got one of my songs on a little TV show called Ugly Betty, which oh. enabled me to move to LA from New York and started to work. I was working restaurant by day, growing in leadership. I was their lead trainer. I was their, their shift leader. But at night, I was putting all of my money into trying to be a rock star until I realized that I love music, but I do not love the music business. Mm -hmm. So I pivoted and I went into manager training. And eventually from there, I went into uh, director of food and beverage for a five-star hotel in Beverly Hills. And I just learned that I loved managing managers. I loved training managers. I loved grooming them, growing them, seeing them grow their career. They'd go on and do other things and become GMs of restaurants. And I, they would call me and say, Mama Mitch. Words. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, that was so fulfilling that it right. really it informed what I'm doing today. Uh, and then from there, my husband and I wanted to move back to the East Coast. We met in LA, we got married and decided to come back to be closer to family. And I moved from Beverly Hills to Tampa. Ah. So uh, not as many five-star hotels to be found <laughs> at that time. So uh, it was a little hard finding a, a job in my industry. So I decided to get my license as a community association manager and uh, had a lot of friends that were CAMs and they were like, hey, you know, we need people with hospitality background in this industry because that's what you're doing. You're, you're dealing mm -hmm. with people every day. So I, I went into that, um, but landed doing more business development than, than management. I was assisting managers, but getting pulled to help with business development mm -hmm. and ended up really loving that. So when, you know, grew myself as a, as a business developer from there, went on to be a director of business development for a construction firm. And that was until I said, that's it. I want to do my own thing. I want to coach. I want to mentor. I want to speak. And so that's uh, when I took the plunge to just do my own business, Sav Hill Consulting, only three months before COVID hit and <laughs> shut the world down. <laughs> adversity, but, <laughs> but it's okay. It's actually been a great year regardless. I bet. And you know, it, it's got to be a, it's a major leap. I mean, it, it had to be, uh, you had to be seriously nervous. I, you know, over the, over the last few years, um, you know, something that I consider doing was something similar to what you've done, what you're doing, right? I, I've always had this knack of performing, right? <laughs> and, you know, luckily enough, as a property manager, you can't perform, right? And, but when you get into a, an, an upper management level, you kind of get that opportunity, you bring it in the uh, your your teams, and you get to start mentoring and start that coaching, right? Which basically, in, in you know, you you got to put that performance on, right? And and to go from managing managers to business development, you know, you just putting the two and two together, and just creating this um, massive new energy uh, universe that you're creating. And I couldn't think of anything anybody more better and suited to do it like yourself. I think, um, oh, thank you. yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, how can I say this, you know, being in the industry myself, one of the, my fulfilling parts of this is, is the coaching and the mentoring, watching somebody who started as a maintenance person. Now you're, you know, a senior property manager and you're just killing it. Right. That's, 
totally rewarding yeah. to me. And so let me ask you this though, with this coaching, I, I, I'm really impressed in the fact that just in the two years that I've known you, roughly two years, that you, you got on this, this TEDx conference team, right? Yeah. Give, give, me, give me a little bit more info on that because there's a lot of people that are interested. I, over the last 10 plus years, have pretty much watched every TEDx talk, right? So, That's awesome. Yeah, so tell, tell us a little bit about that experience. It's a really awesome experience. And it was one of the highlights of 2020, you know, in a year, 2020 was rough for a lot of people, but I had just started really focusing, walked away from my six figure income job to go into focusing on being a speaker and a coach. And one of my dreams was obviously to do a TED talk, but I thought it'd come later. I thought it would come a lot later. And as I was doing a lot of training, speaking for a lot of organizations. Uh, I was noticed through LinkedIn and somebody reached out to me really to be a speaker coach because I do a lot of coaching uh, of executives and speakers on how to public speak, how to be comfortable with the stage, how to project, how to really engage. So she really reached out to me to be a coach for the speakers. But when we mm. talked through Zoom and she heard some of my stories. She thought, oh, I want you to be a speaker. I want you to actually do one of the talks, which was very exciting. But I'm going to say to you that I'll admit that again, my husband will say the, the moment that my wife was offered to speak, uh, to do a TEDx talk, imposter syndrome kicked in. Like I've never <laughs> seen her, you know, it was again, like being that singing waitress, like I I've never done one before. I, you know, is, am I good enough? Is she going to realize along the way that she made a mistake in picking me? But it was, uh, we, we worked hard on the talk. I crafted something that I thought was powerful and, and poignant for the time. And what I thought was going to be on adversity and leadership ended up being more on diversity speaking from you know somebody who was you know my family were cuban exiles my grandmother mm. came to the country with nothing and yet she built up several successful businesses i mean she was such a, an inspiration to me and talking about finding your way finding your identity and not putting people in boxes that ended up being the ted talk and it was really cool and i'll have to say one of the most rewarding things was how many teenage girls have reached out to me and they were that were part of also helping with the event said you know what your story spoke to me your story you know really inspired me and so that has now opened up a whole like goal of mine to go out and mentor teenagers mentor especially coming out of the foster care system that don't have that guidance that's one of my goals for the year to come is to start setting up something where i'm working with mentoring kids mentoring teens specifically mm -hmm. You have to give back. I, I believe that wherever you're at as successful, or if you think you're not as successful as you want to be, but you have a story to tell, you have to figure out a way to give back. The TED platform is a great platform for that, a great platform to tell your story in a unique way and, and share it. So anybody who wants to do a TED talk, I say, um, one, you can always reach out to me and I'm happy to help and to give you some guidance, but I'll say that you just have to find what is your unique point of view and then share that. Hmm. If that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And you know, it's uh, it, so when does a, your, when does a, 
that the, the talk come out? When is it uh, premiere? When is it released? So we, we actually premiered it as an event in November okay. that uh, just got, uh, Ted will do a review of the event and the event actually got very highly, highly, um, uh, it got high points okay. on the scale. But what Ted will do is that they will review all of the talks and then they will make them available on their platform and I think it should be available by March is what I'm told but okay. I will let you know for sure as soon as it is oh absolutely I'm excited to see it I I know we've uh, uh I've seen some really good ones with you know with Ted and they've shaped me you know professionally and personally you know I'm and I'm pretty confident yours is going to do the same for not just for myself but for a lot of other people and I look forward to it being released and um so you know, the, I, the purpose of this, me creating this podcast is to bring on inspirational people and, and you are absolutely an, an, an inspiration. So, and oh, thank you. And, and, and with going with that, you know, today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so can you give me a little bit what that means to you? Well, again, um, as I said, I, I come from you know, I'm first generation American. My parents were immigrants and they grew up in America during the civil rights movement. They came from Cuba in 1959, 1960. So uh, they too had a lot of uh, racism and prejudice against them. They had to live through, you know, segregation, integration. They really had to find their own voice in their own way in a country that was not their home at first, you know? So when I was born in Miami, Florida, which is pretty much like little Havana, <laughs> but it almost didn't feel like, <laughs> it's, it's pretty unique Miami, but I grew up between Miami and New York. So I would see a lot of different, there's a big cultural difference between Florida, Miami, and you know, where I grew up in New York and it was, it was seeing how really as a young kid, we didn't judge each other. We played in the same sandbox. We didn't ask about uh, skin color or your accent. We just, you know, if you look at children at play, they're not concerned with those things. They're concerned with, look, mom, look what I can do. They wanna be seen, they wanna be heard, but they're not concerned about black, white accents, they'll, they'll play together until somebody tells them it's wrong. Hmm. They will see each other as friends until somebody colors their viewpoint. So for me, you know, I have that same dream. That's the, the, the same dream that MLK talked about so long ago. We're still, we, we're still fighting for that dream. I think freedom- we're still perfecting it. Now, freedom is not something that people have to realize freedom is not something that is guaranteed even after you get it. You have mm -hmm. to constantly be vigilant. You have to constantly talk and understand each other and be willing to have conversations and be willing to understand the other point of view, even if you don't get it, even if you don't agree with it. But I will always say, I may not agree, but I'm going to try to step in your shoes and understand. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really wish I could see more of more of we trying to just understand each other and going, hey, I really get it. I may not agree, but I get it. Mm -hmm. Powerful stuff. <laughs> Powerful stuff. And you know, and it's, uh, we're still working to perfect it. You know, I think it's going to be, uh, it'll never be perfected. 
it's it's, be, it's just it's just going to be a, a progression and i think we're getting better i think we are getting better we still have some struggles but i see uh I, I see it getting better eventually, you know, and it's up to us raising our kids, grandkids and, and to, to bring up that next generation. I think uh, it, we'll see a light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah. um, I will tell you, I'll give you one piece of hope. And after working with this Ted talk, working with these younger, there were some, some speakers in this Ted event that were teenagers. I am so inspired by today's teenagers coming up, like the 18, 19. I'm so inspired by how well informed they are, how well informed they are about politics, about the world. And they give me hope that we might absolutely see more growth, more personal growth in each other. Awesome. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see uh see what they're what they're doing right what the next generation has for us right yeah <laughs> if we guide them us. well we have to guide them well <laughs> that is correct right looking to us. <laughs> um two two quick questions for you okay uh one question is uh who is your hero do you have a hero do you have an idol oh i have so many heroes that's a tough question i mean from rock and roll stars you know like stevie nicks and okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. to uh, famous writers. I mean, uh, I would say there are just so, so, so many. I know uh, I put you on the spot, didn't I? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> that's a great, it's a great question. Um, I just have so many. There's so many people. I love stories. I love history. You're you're the same, and I think that's why you're so brilliant as well, Les, and why you you stay so sharp and on top of the curve on leadership is because I know you're an avid reader like I am. So I love to read, and I love to read stories of people who overcome adversity. Mm -hmm. uh, so really, anyone that that overcomes adversity and and still shines through, you know, obviously people like Nelson Mandela, obviously people like. Martin Luther King, but you know, our forefathers that had a dream about America and, and fought for it, you know, um, just anyone who really has, you know, the guy next door who's overcome something, heroes mm -hmm. don't have to be famous, you know. My grandmother, I will say my grandmother, Lilia Rosa, <laughs> she was my hero. She still is. She's passed away, but she's still my hero. I'm with you. Yeah, I've got, I'm with you. So when, when I'm asked that same question, I can never just throw out one person. I've got so many different stages and, and you know, basically in, in these um, stages of my life that, you know, these people have, have touched on, right? You know, from, from music to literature to, to history, political, you know, it just, there's so many. But if you take all them and put them in one big pot of gumbo, it probably makes the, the, the best perfect meal, right? The gumbo, yes. <laughs> the <good> gumbo. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Les. <laughs> and uh, uh, one more last question. Now, this is going to put you on the spot again. Okay. okay I love this. If there was uh, one book that you could have multiple, hundreds of copies of, what book would you have to give out to everybody? Like you, everybody in the world, you need to read this one book. What book would that be? Oh, I, I know the book. And again, yes, this is another one of those questions where there's a lot of books that I um, I recommend and I use, but I always refer back to Covey's Seven Habits. I there mean, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think it's 
the first time I read it through, I got a different thing than the second time I read it through, than the third time. I, every time I read it, I get different things. It's it's leadership, but it's also very spiritual. I like that it's very it's very spiritual actually. So I think that if everybody applied the seven habits, we'd probably have a a much different looking world right now. Hundred <laughs> percent agree. I knew you were going to say that. Really? <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I, I read recently and and right now my go-to book i'm telling you if you haven't read it yet you need to read it is matthew mcconaughey's new book green lights oh my god i was i put it down and i'm like i wanted to wait a week and i'm not read it again it's just one of those books that i was i wasn't expecting it but it's very uh very spiritual very enlightening and it it basically it's just like like what am i doing there's a lot of green lights out there you know, you got to create that green light. It's, it's a really is a good book. It's not just a biography of himself, but it's basically on, on obstacles, guy. So. obstacles that he has uh, overcome, you know, and he's created this, this life in his world. It's really good. I re highly recommend the book. That's going to be my next book. You got to, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll call me up and Les, I agree. <laughs> well, and I know Les that you also are, uh, you've read and read the Stoics. Okay. So you, you've read, right, Marcus Aurelius and- uh, Oh my God, yep. Meditations, so, yep. So the, the one book that I will recommend, and my, my husband's going through it now, I went through it last year, but it's, it's uh, called The Daily Stoic. Actually, uh, they can't see it, but I have it right here on my-, <laughs> on my uh, The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, who ah, also- okay. The Obstacle is the Way. Yep pretty smart guy, but the Daily Stoic takes quotes 365 days a year. So the, the concept is you go through it every day, you, you read a quote and you kind of think about it, you know, but it's all based on the Stoics and it's quotes from the Sto all the different Stoics. That oh, it was, man. that's a really cool book too. For You're the first person I've heard speak of Marcus Aurelius in a very long time. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, not too many people know. Now, it was introduced to me when I was, uh, I was actually in the Marine Corps, and it was brought to me by another, a, kind of a, how can I say, he was, a, he was a platoon sergeant, but he wasn't in necessarily in my company. But, you know, me and him got, uh, we got into a deep conversation. He's like, Les, you've got to read this book. And if you ever looked at it, it's only like literally a 100-page book. Yes. But uh, he was such a, um, a deep thinker. For somebody who was a, a, a Roman emperor, it was it was amazing what he did. You know what I mean? And, well, um, talk about being put in a position like Marcus Aurelius wanted to be a philosopher. He didn't want to be a leader. He kind of kind of got thrown into the position, and then was like, "Oh, now I've got to figure it out." But he just wanted to go sit somewhere and write philosophy all day, yeah. and then landed this position and had to step up to the plate. So again, it's like that singing waitress job, but it's like you have to step <laughs> into it. And then do what you can, hustle to figure it out. And he did that. No, and who would have thought that all these years later, his book would still be in publication today? It's amazing, right? <laughs> and no, right? And it's, it's now uh, in West Point, Annapolis, and all these other major military universities, it's a required part of reading. Oh, that's exciting to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited that that is. Yeah, I mean it's it's impressive, but because you got military thinkers now, where it's just not all about guns and bombs, right? Now you got to be you got to be a thinker. Yes, um, I love that. All right, I so 
So today, you know, really, Mitch, and I really appreciate you coming on today. Okay. Appreciate um, you having me. I'm so honored. Well, I, I know you're not the, the first podcast interview that I've done. You're number two. <laughs> so you got to warm it up for me. <laughs> but I, I think the clear message today is that by speaking with you is don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to, to step out and, and, and follow your guiding light. You, you with at 18 doing your, your singing waitress and then you're getting into, you know, you're stepping out and you're doing this for, um, you go out to LA, but if you didn't go to LA, you would never met your husband. And then, you know, then you're stepping from the hospitality world to go on your own, which is a, a lot of people are not brave to do. And, and I think, uh, hopefully you and I talking today might inspire a few others. Right. And, uh, I look forward to your, your, your TEDx. And I really thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, Definitely made my day, my week, my month. Oh, you are so sweet. And yeah, anybody, I, I'll say anybody who wants to just get a little bit of, of insight or help, you know, I am always, I believe that that help you give just comes back to you. So reach out to me, email me, you know, I am always willing to, to have a chat and, and give somebody a little bit of a boost if that's what you need. If you're in transition, this has been a tough year for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, I would just say, you know, info at Sab Hill Consulting. Reach out to me. I'm happy to help. And, and what's the website again? It's at SavHillConsulting.com. SavHillConsulting.com. And it's Savoy, not Savoy, in case you guys are looking at her name. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you for saying it properly. Savoy. <laughs> And I tell people, I don't know, maybe I'm aging myself because it's a Looney Tunes. Like, Savoir faire is everywhere. That was Pepe Le Pew. And no one remembers that anymore. <laughs> well, I really, once again, appreciate it. I look forward to uh, many, many future engagements and uh, have a great afternoon. Thank you. You yes, too. Thank you so much.